Hi, this is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life, because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genre. Speaking of best-selling, my conversation with Tess Gerritsen, Oh, she of Rizzoli and Isles and many other suspense novels. Uh, that is on live on our website now on Author Magazine. So go check that out. It's a great conversation. And we are funded by the good people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association, supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955 to learn more about them and their writing conference and their contest and all the things they offer writers around the globe. Go to pnwa.org. Org. Okay, this week, hey, it's something special, a little different, because today, June 1st, is the pub date, the publication date of Everyone Has What It Takes, a writer's guide to the end of self-doubt. It's today, and so what I'm doing is I'm turning the tables. Yes, I am. And I invited Michael Kaufman onto the show and gave him complete control over the interviewer's microphone. Uh, Michael is a PhD and is an author of both fiction and nonfiction books and is an advisor, activist, and keynote speaker over the past four decades. His work with the United Nations, governments, non-governmental organizations, corporations, trade unions, and universities has taken him to 50 countries. His books include The Guy's Guide to Feminism, Cracking the Armor Power, Pain, and the Lives of Men, and most recently the crime novel, novel The Last Exit. And we talked about, well, why everyone has what it takes including you. Enjoy. Well, I am here today with Bill Knauer, who's a writer, a teacher, editor of Author Magazine, host of Author to Author, father, husband. I'm sure there's many other things on the list, but right now we're here because his new book is coming out well, today as we speak, everyone has what it takes. Right. Uh, Bill, welcome to your show. <laughs> it's good to be here. It's good to be on the other side of this thing for once. Well, fun, to, fun to do. So, yeah. Bill. Well, also, let me say, thanks for doing this. Thanks uh, for pleasure. coming on and uh, flipping the seats for me. My pleasure. But, Bill, I got to ask you. Everyone has what it takes. That's right. I mean, everyone. are you kidding me? No, I am not kidding you. And that's why I wrote the book, because I know that there's a, it's like a mental dissonance when we hear that. It doesn't mean everyone has what it takes. That does not mean everybody knows they have it or knows how to use it, but everybody has it. It doesn't mean everybody has what it takes to do everything. Not everybody wants to be a jazz pianist and a carpenter, and the president of the United States, and a ballet dancer, but you have what it takes to do the thing you love to do, whatever that is. Absolutely. You're equipped perfectly to do that. You may not know what it is yet. You may have to find what it is, but absolutely everybody. So when it comes to writing, though, so that doesn't, that doesn't mean that every single person on the planet is equipped to be a writer. No. Necessarily. No. No, they, 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 you have to, to, to be equipped to be a writer, you have to like writing. You have to like to go be alone. And I would say about writers particularly, you have to enjoy the process of translating 
a three-dimensional five sensory experience into nothing but thought because that's what words are. It's just thought. You have to like that. You have to like not having, not being able to use your five senses. You have to be okay with that. I love playing music. I get to bang on the piano and hear the noise <laughs> and sing. And I get to use my body and my voice, but for writing, it's all thought. And you have to be okay with that. And for a lot of people, that's, it's not, a, they need their body. They need the interaction. I, I'm working with a guy now who says like, I love teaching, but I, I need to have people there for me to do it. I can't write about it so much. So no, not everybody's meant to be a writer because that's not their thing. Absolutely. You know, it, it's interesting. I, and I love when you, when you said that about, um, you know, unlike other activities, um, things we might do or either choose or, you know, be, be forced to do with our lives in terms of work. Yep. Writing is in, is in our head and we're translating a whole range of sensory experiences into not into into thought into, into and that, that's, it's pretty intriguing it is if you know i know it's funny i didn't start thinking about that till about seven or eight years ago that that's what the reality of what writing is that it's so that you that and that that's enough that that's enough to to create a kind of lived experience in the reader but that's what you're dealing with the sort of the power of thought through the vehicle of language you know because thought can be pre-linguistic and um that has always interested me, even before I understood what I was doing, why I was doing it. But you have to be okay with that. You have to be okay with going, with going totally within and getting all your inspiration from within and not gaining any inspiration from the outside. Even though you might've gotten ideas from people you talked to or things you saw, places you've been. But when you go to write, you can't, you aren't respond, you are not responding to anything. You are all, you are acting, you are not reacting anymore. And that itself is, requires a certain kind of discipline, a certain kind of trust. Um, and for some people, it, part of why I teach is because that act of going within, just that act is difficult for people. Although I think there's a tremendous payoff if you can learn to do it because there is, you, you, you gain from that experience, the sense of your uh, sort of independent creativity that it comes well, from within you. And, and you talk at one point, and it's, it's intriguing. Um, I'm, I'm curious about it. You say, forget about the world, uh, yeah. find a place within yourself. Yeah. Now, does that, explain that to me. Well, like, so how it's, do... it's not that you don't care about the world. Oh, know, go ahead. Okay. Obviously, you, I'm writing about it. I'm remembering it. Some people like yourself, you write fiction, and you also write books about what's going on in the world. But while you're writing, you can't have your attention on the external. You have to go within yourself to say, if, you're, if you want to write about what's going on, you got to be able to go within yourself to ask yourself what you actually want to say about it, what you want to, um, what it is you care about. So if you're writing about any, I write these essays for the Good Men Project. Well, there's a lot of subjects that are, you know, I deal with a lot of things around masculinity and violence and conflict and creativity, but it's why am I interested in it? Not why are other people interested? Why am I interested in it? And I can only answer that by going within myself. So you do have to get your attention off the outside world in order to connect. You know, okay, so here's the story that I think I learned. Here's how I learned this, okay? It was, I was in an argument with my wife. We'd gotten to one of these back and forth. She taught me to argue. I was in, my family were not arguers. We weren't fighters in that way. So I was like, I always just wanted the argument to be over as soon as possible right? And this was not a good strategy for conflict. And she was good. It really kind of helped me through that. And so, but still we're one day we're 
getting into an argument over something and I had my usual impulse to just want peace. I just want it to end. And I, so I, my mind is strategizing, how can I get her to not be upset anymore? How can I get into her head to sort of get, get her to be less upset, not angry at me? And so we, so I was sort of trying to think of how to, and not quite manipulate, but it was all based on her and what she was going through. And as I was going through that, I said, what if I talk to her the way I write? Meaning I'm not gonna write to affect her I'm simply, or talk to affect her. I'm just gonna go in and speak as honestly as I can without worrying about what effect it has on her. And so I just spoke as honestly as I could about whatever the conflict was and it just dissipated. It was over in uh, a matter of minutes and it, it's so profound to me because writing is all about not, you can't really worry about the reader in that way. You can't worry about what people will think of your stuff while you're doing it. And it's a great way to relate to people because you can't, you, you can only act honestly from within. If you spend all your time focused on the outside and other people, that's when I get into trouble. That's when I start wanting to control them or I get nervous or uncertain. But if it's just within and then speaking honestly, that I can know and that I have control over. And that's why I say, get your attention off what you think the world will think of your stuff, what you whose mind you're going to change. Get your mind off that. Go into what it is you want to say and say it as honestly as you can. Does that make sense? It does. So, I mean, so you're talking about, I mean, the, I think this is so key, the importance of authenticity in writing. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we're just sort of cranking out, well, we're cranking out crap that, you know, we think, oh, well, the market's going to like this or, right, right. You know, or that. And, you know, when you read writers that you just, you know, admire, we're going to come back to this issue of great writers. Yeah. But when you read the yeah. writer you admire and, and you just realize whatever, um, you know, her, his, or their, you know, experience somehow just the sheer beauty, honesty, authenticity of their voice is coming through. And that's what we connect with, even if their experience was totally different oh, from yeah. ours. Well, I always think the beautiful thing about writing is that I always say, um, when I sit down to write my essays, I don't know anything about my reader. They're probably writers, but a lot of them aren't. I know that too. So what do I know about them? I don't know how old they are, if they're a man or woman or gay or straight, black or white. I don't know anything about them. All I know is that they're human. And I have to write, and I usually write about stuff I've done. I don't even write fiction anymore. So I write about personal essays. Well, I can't write just about the specific identity of my specific identity. I have to find the universal as much as I can within whatever story I have. That's how I connect to them. That's how I connect to other people is by finding the universal thing that connects to us all. And I think that that's why someone can write beautifully, as you say, but connect to us, even though their experience is so totally different from ours, because they are finding something, some universal thread running through their work that resonates with, that we recognize too. All great writers, great writers. That's what writers are looking for, is the thing that we can all recognize, you know, to the best, articulating in a way that we can all see the same thing, regardless of where we come from. And, and, and at the same time you're talking about, and I love, I love how you express that, is you talk about choosing what fits. Oh, yeah. Is, 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 that, is that in terms of writing what fits you in terms of subjects, style, oh, absolutely. genre? Everything. Whatever. I would say, what's the story you want? You have to tell the story you want to tell in the way you want to tell it. Hmm. And, you know, one of the great errors in a way I made was presuming, determining ahead of time what I would write instead of just, sort of checking in and saying, what does this want to be? This book, everyone has what it takes. 
spent about 15 years trying to be a memoir called No One Is Broken about my kid, about who's he's called Jack in the book. Um, I thought I really tried to make it a memoir and it just resisted it. And, and as soon as I thought, I was actually my wife, I was talking to her about how everyone has what it takes. She says, now that sounds like a book. And I, as soon as I, as soon as I uh, heard that, I knew it was, that was the true form it wanted to take. But it, but that happened because I tried to, you know, I always think of like Cinderella, her sisters, how they all like cut their toes off and their heels to get themselves to jam fit into those slippers because they really wanted to be that princess. I, that's kind of what I was like, trying to make myself into a, me- a novelist, make myself into a memoirist, instead of saying, what is the most natural form for what it is I, for how I think and how I tell stories. And it took me a, a, it, it took me a long time a long time to admit, to accept that this is what I do. It was so far, so different than how I imagine myself as a young man, which is really just an artist, a poet, a playwright, a novelist, an artist, not a teacher, essayist. That just was so far from what how I saw myself. So that was very challenging. Yeah, I, I can see that because we do impose a real hierarchy uh, you know, hierarchy is one of the many hierarchies we impose in the world, isn't it? And we, yeah. we value certain types of writing. And even within, you know, you, you say, you know, be a novelist. Well, within fiction, there's such a hierarchy, you know, with sort of the literary fiction. That's and then, right. And then, you yes. know, then we look down at genre writing, yes. you know, yeah, and, yeah. and on and on. And, and it's, um, you know, there's, it, 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 it is sort of finding, you're right, what fits. Um, you know, you, you, you talk in, 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 um, uh, in everyone has what it takes. Um, valuing the now of writing. What, yeah. what, what, what do you mean by that? I, I, Being in the present. So one thing, th- this is interesting. I have gotten into this more and more and more l- lately. I can't remember how I talked about it in the book. I know it sounds odd, but I forget. <laughs> I write so much about the subject. I can't remember what's in what book or what I've written in an essay. But I know it's this, which is that when I write, let's say I'm going to write an essay or even one of these chapters in this book. Okay, so I know I want to write about people who are in wheelchairs or who have on the autism spectrum have vaguely have handicaps. There's a whole chapter about that called Earthly Powers. Um, but I don't know what I'm gonna say. I don't know exactly what it's gonna be. I don't outline the chapter. And what I've had to learn is I, I, don't, I have to go into write to learn what I am actually interested in. I have to be present with myself in this moment in the moment I'm writing to discover not just how to tell that story, but what I am actually interested in, what actually lights up with me. And a lot of times I don't know until I start writing it. And the only Mm -hmm. way for that is to be present. You can't be thinking about the future. You can't be, and you can't have predetermined ideas of what that will be. I can't anyway. I have to just be present with the material and really just paying attention to what lights up with me, what I want to follow. And just, if it seems different than what my initial plan with was, so be it follow the thing that lights up because that is what you're truly interested in. That's what you really want to learn about. That's the inspired idea. That's the way you want to go. And that can only happen by being present without judgment on the story, on that moment, just being present. It's present without judgment, present without judgment and accepting and waiting and then following when the way reveals itself. That's now, what I, mean. I mean, interesting. I mean, and that, that's that, you know, and you talk about, you, you know, following your curiosity and, yeah. and that's, that's being in that moment, following that curiosity, you know, present without judgment, where does, yeah. where does, 
judgment's one of those words that has so many different connotations. You know, there's there's that, you know, we, we want we want to as writers be critically thinking, evaluating, right. um, being willing to, you know, listen to feedback to tear apart yeah, what yeah, we yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, kill <laughs> kill our angels or whatever the expression is. Kill um, your darlings. Your darlings, excuse <laughs> me. Angel. Yeah, oh, no, kill those your angels darlings. You mentioned yeah. Kill off those darlings. <laughs> they can't even get the cliches right here today. Um, but you know, so you know, so yes, we might um, evaluate our work, but when you say not being judgmental. So, right. So well, you know, I learned that from working with with Jack, where I couldn't judge the present moment with him. I couldn't judge what was happening as wrong because it was, especially when he's young, I didn't know what to make of what was happening. And I just kind of resisted it, you know, but in terms of, and so I had to just accept what was happening without judgment. This is happening. And if I judge it as wrong, I'm resisting literally what is, and you can't fight what is. You can work with it. You can, um, understand it, but you can't change it. It's happening. And with writing, the thing is, you have to accept that when you're telling a story, there are, there, there is, you're mostly what you're paying attention to, whenever, whatever you're writing, it doesn't matter if it's fiction or nonfiction, you're, you're, you're constantly testing for the effortlessness that, or noticing the difference between the effortlessness of the sentence that belongs in the piece the word that belongs in the sentence, the, the, the scene that belongs in, and the effort required to force one in. So the wrong word, the wrong sentence, the wrong idea is just the one that doesn't fit. There are no good or bad stories or good or bad words, but there's the one that fits and the one that doesn't. So you're constantly testing, constantly testing for what fits and what doesn't. And that's what I, so you could call that judgment if you want, but mostly you're just testing for what belongs and what doesn't. Every, there is no right or wrong. There is no right or wrong. It's just what belongs in the story and what doesn't. And that's what you're there trying to, what you're trying to test for. You know, as for critiques and feedback, most of what good feedback is, I believe, is just the audience saying, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get what you're, because the artist can only point at something. They can't touch it. You know, unconditional love is right there. You know, safety is over there. And you can only point to it. And if the audience sees it, they get it. And if they don't see it, they say, I don't know what you're pointing to. And so that can be helpful. The way stand-up comedians test their material out, you know, and good, and good editors. I don't know if you've worked with, you, if you've been happy with the editors, they ask a lot of questions. Yeah. Maybe they go through and take stuff out, but the good one asks questions. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? Because that's helpful. That is helpful. Suppose you're saying, this is cliche, this is boring, this is no good, blah, blah. You know, that's, I think, neither here nor there, but the questions, those are helpful. Because we are <laughs> always having to clarify. Well, you're a teacher, and so you get questions when you talk about your subjects. And yep. sometimes the best questions are the ones I can't answer right away, that I have to go back and think about. Those get me thinking. Those well, get me understanding like in a deeper way. And it's like, you know, as a parent, you know, when the kids ask you a question and yeah. something you never thought about and something you have to figure it out. I was laughing when you were um, when you were speaking a minute ago, because I remember one of my first nonfiction books this is decades ago, literally, yeah. um, I'd written what I thought was an incredibly clear um, section on, on what on, on, of, of this book. And my editor, you know, just had a big question mark next to it, basically, and said, I don't get this. My first re response was, 
God, you know, she really must be dim. I wrote in English, didn't I? What's not to get? I know. And then I realized, wait a minute, this person is, you know, smart, is working for a big publisher, you know, this and that. And I realized that that was my job. Yeah. To find the, as you say, the right words, the right way of just to look at it again, because things, you know what you mean, because you're translating it then and you're hoping the thing, what you don't want to do, one of the artistries of writing is, you want to say it, give enough so that people can see it, but not so much that the people who get it are like, yeah, 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 I get it. I get it. You don't need to say it again and again and again. <laughs> so you're always looking to say just enough so that they can get yeah. it on their own. And sometimes they don't, you know, sometimes they don't get the joke, say. And so does that get into the craft of writing? I mean, yeah, you, that we're talking craft there. Yeah. yeah. Which this book is really not about. It's much more the psychology of writing, yeah. but I enjoy the craft of writing. I don't write about the craft of writing really, but. I enjoy it. It's my tools. You know, I've, I have learned them and I'm still learning about them. And um, I'm going to stop you right there for any person who is well, any writer, any of us. Um, and, but certainly someone who is, 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 you know, beginning a writer's life. Bill just said, and I'm still learning them. And I think there's that lifelong curiosity, that lifelong desire to get better at our craft. So oh, we're, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And also what happens is what to me is my interest changes too. what I want to write about, what I want to explore. And sometimes I need to learn something new about how I write in order to do that. You know, some new approach, some new way of thinking, or I see things people are doing. I thought, Oh, that's interesting. That's a different way to that works. I hadn't thought of that. So no, I'm always learning. I'm always learning about that side of it. It's not what I think about a lot, it's only when I'm writing that I kind of think about it. Mostly it's the sort of concepts that are running around in my head a lot is that I'm trying to make sense of. But then once a lot of, but then I think that, I think that's so true because, you know, you can read, you know, any amount of, of, you know, how to write a sentence and, but it's only when you're constructing that sentence, when you're trying to figure out how it's, you know, does it work? As you said, that's right. I mean, it's only, yeah, because every sentence is different. It's a sort of like, you know, you can't, what, even when I'm teaching writing to my students and I teach personal essay and memoir, that's a little more crafty because there's certain things that work in memoir and the things that don't. And, and, but even then I say, you're not going to learn anything by me telling you this. It's only when you apply it that you actually yeah. learn it. I'm simply saying, try this when you go, which is sort of like this book too, which is, look, I am suggesting a view of the world that you look and see a world where everyone has what it takes, whether they are using what they have or not. I, I can't, you will only see that world once you begin to look for it yourself. You know, that was how I, I, I started with not seeing a world with, I started without thinking that no one was broken, that I, I didn't, I couldn't, I wanted to, I couldn't help my son if I saw him as broken, I couldn't fix him. But the only way not to see him as broken is if I didn't see anyone as broken, it just didn't work intellectually. But I was used to calling certain people broken and just for whatever reason, including myself, I think sometimes. And so I just had to start seeing a world without broken people. And I did that by taking broken as an explanation out of my repertoire. So I saw someone doing something I didn't understand or I didn't like. If I wanted to try to understand it, I couldn't explain it with brokenness because that ends all learning. That ends all, it ends learning, it ends curiosity. But if I take time and look beyond the veil of their behavior or their circumstance, I see a person very much like me, probably afraid, probably hurting, probably confused, probably misunderstanding something. 
You know, I think of the people who charged the Capitol in America on the six when they when they rioted. And the thing that would just struck my mind is like, well, they believed they were saving the democracy. They, they absolutely believed that. And their behavior, they weren't broken. They were they were misled. They, they had misunderstood, but they weren't broken people. They thought they were heroes. They thought they were the great patriots because they misunderstood. Now, it, you know, we all could have suffered because of that misunderstanding. But in the end, it was a misunderstanding that they were suffering under, not something inherently flawed within themselves. I decline that explanation. And, and, and so within that same concept of people not being broken is that you have what it takes. We look at some people struggling and we think, well, maybe they just don't have it. They just don't have it. And um, it's possible they'll be, they're doing something they don't want to do. I saw that in my father. I write about him and his failures early in his life. And I certainly had my rash of failures too. And it wasn't that I couldn't write. It was that I was trying to make myself be a different writer than I really wanted to be. And I think that if we misunderstand our gift, yeah, I don't know if this is true. You know, something I've been thinking about, I work with my clients, I coach some clients. I think this is universally true. People often take the thing that comes easiest to them for granted. And often that is their genius and their gift to the world. Does that make, does that, does that resonate with you? Like it just, it's so easy. You can't believe it's valuable. Yeah. And that's, that's why I gave up my professional basketball career. It was, it was too easy. I was, <laughs> right. I was you know, back in my day, I was dunking over Michael Jordan. You, oh, know, yeah, you, yeah. you know how this is. Uh, no, no, but, 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 but you're right. I, I think that when, you know, it is that, um, it is that sort of appreciating who, you know, who we are. It's the, it goes back to what you were saying earlier on about finding that place within yourself. And, uh, and so, which means not taking yourself for granted, um, celebrating, um, uh, pushing yourself perhaps, but also uh, understanding our capacity as individuals to, um, you know, to, to do things perhaps we didn't think we could do. Yeah, and usually we've put a limit on ourselves. We almost, I think everybody puts a limit on themselves. I certainly did. And it's just, but it's just arbitrary. It's invented. It's a, it's a ceiling that doesn't actually exist. And we operate within those limitations and um, they're unnecessary. You know, and I want to say about individuality, I think this is so important. Um, I was working with these young people at this, in Chicago at this conference, there were young artists who wanted to make, you know, it was a conference about making money in the arts and there was this young guy. Which is really easy, as we all know. <laughs> it's challenging, but for a lot of reasons, but but it's not, it's far from impossible. But you it does require a different, it requires a different kind of focus, right? Because mm -hmm. these things aren't set up for you like being a doctor or a lawyer or a bartender for that matter. So, you know, it is what it is. But he we were talking about blogging, and he said to me, I want to blog about being a queer artist from Wisconsin. And I said, Okay, that's great, you know that I always look for, you always want to find something interesting and there probably aren't a lot of queer artists in Wisconsin, but there's some more than one. And that's so, while it's okay to write about that, what about you? Cause you're more than that. We're more than, all of us are more than these identities we give ourselves. There's something unique. I, I, no one has lived what you've lived, seen what you've seen, heard what you've heard, lived, loved what you've loved, lost. Nobody. It's never happened before. Never going to happen again. That within that un utter ineluctable uniqueness is where the genius comes from. Speak from what, because the story you tell cannot be told by anyone but you. It'll never be told again. Find that. 
find that that is your genius. And I think it's great. We, we get hooked on our identities, but your identity, no identity can capture what you are specifically, right? Who are you? What do you love specifically? Who, what do you, what story do you want to tell from where you stand on this planet and what you've, and, and, and by the way, everything that you've gone through is as important as what Barack Obama went through and Paul McCarty went through or Muhammad Ali went through or Emily Dickinson went through. Every, every moment of your life is as important as all those moments if you grant those moments. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, really interesting. Um, and I don't think I've ever been in a discussion with, on writing where someone actually worked in one of James Joyce's famous words, ineluctable. <laughs> that's uh, right. Was that, That's where I learned it was from Joyce. I don't I, know if that I, was... Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Intellectable. Yeah, I, like um, I, I love it. Well done. You know, one of the things I, that's, that's intriguing, you know, you, you, you said you went through this early progression trying to sort of find out, you know, find your place in the world of writing and, and you followed, you know, you try to fit yourself into, you know, shoes that didn't fit. And, and, um, and you, you yeah. even tell a story about that, which is quite funny. Um, ultimately what you've, built a career around, which is just fascinating. And, 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 is, and every, everyone has it takes is on this theme, but, you know, you, you talk about writing, you know, so writing about and within the juncture of writing and the life that you live. Right. Um, right. I, mean, yes, that, that, I, I got fascinated by that. I, I, because I sort of got interested in some spiritual teachers and I thought everything they're talking about, and usually they talk about creating the life you want to lead, you know, creating on purpose, I thought everything they're describing is what writing is. That is exactly what you do when you write. And I began to see writing as like a practice for how to live life on purpose, how to create your life as if, as if it were a blank page. And, and the deeper I go into this, Michael, the, the, the more it becomes true, that the more how in, in your life, you can't really plan stuff, but you can pay attention and follow the light when it comes. And you how good it is not to decide what you need to do in your life and, and, and wait to discover, just like in the story, you don't know what's really going to happen until you write it. And again, that moment, and I say the thing that differentiates the professional writer from the beginning writer is among, among other things is what do they do when they reach the end of the sentence and they don't know what comes next? How do you handle that moment? And I will tell you, this is true. It took me years. I used to, I give my, the clock would start ticking at that moment and if before long i'd start panicking you know and i get upset and what's wrong with me it doesn't happen anymore and in fact i almost i love when i'm cooking along and the words are coming it's great but the deeper i've gone into that moment where i reach the end of the sentence i don't know what's coming next but something will i almost like that moment more that quiet still feeling connected to the thing i'm connected to even though nothing is being written i feel so alive and present and in tune with even though, like I said, nothing is coming down. How patient can you be with that moment? How patient, kind can you be to yourself? How curious and open can you be? That is where the rubber hits the road because it's easy when the writing is coming fast, but what do you do when it's not? And if you can get comfortable with that moment, not judge it, you see, not judge it. That's when, and often that's the moment when you learn what you're actually interested in. You learn the new thing that you didn't know about often in those quiet moments when you don't know what's coming next. The more I do it, the more I've come to love those moments just as much as when things are coming. That's I mean, the truth. 
it, 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 it's a great thought. And, it, you know, I think one that every writer can, can hang on to that th those moments where you're just feeling what comes next, what comes next and, and just, just to relax into it. And it's, yeah. um, and, and partly that's when, that's when our unconscious goes to work that you're, 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 you're processing the, whether it's a story or an explanation or the tale you're, you're, that's unfolding. Um, and so you're creating that space to go back to what you were saying, that, that space, that place within yourself, um, that's going to discover what comes next. Yeah. Yeah. It's I'm, great. It's great. I always say writing in writing, I'm seeking connection with the, I feel most easily connected to the thing I am always seeking connection to. That's what writing that's why I love writing. Why well, I could never stop. The money's fine. The, you know, the interaction with people is great, but the connection is the beginning, middle, and end of it for me. For sure. Well said. Yeah. Well, True. Bill, I hope that I, I know we're running out of time here. Yeah, um, we're just about to the last one. But it's, um, you know, I hope, Bill, that in, um, who knows, in a year, in 10 years, in 30 years, you know, you'll get a nice... Um, You'll be at some event or you're going to get a nice letter from someone, email. I'm sure this is going to happen more than once where <laughs> someone says, um, Bill, this one made a difference for me. Wow. And uh, it's nice. I really I, wish you all the best with this book. Thank you. Thank you. It made a difference to me in writing it for sure. And I, whenever that happens, whenever I feel changed by what I've written, it, I, it almost always reaches someone in the same way. So Bill Knauer's book, Everyone Has What It Takes, is available now. Yeah. Do read it. Yes. Thank you so much, Michael. Bill, wonderful talking with you. And good luck with the book. So there you go. There you go. You know... At the end of these shows, I always say, go find something you love to do and do it. And that's the key. That's the key. If you love doing something, you've got what it takes to do it. That's it. All you need to do is enjoy it, love it, be interested in it. That is the portal to competency. That's the portal to learning. It's all your interest, your curiosity, your love. That's it. That's it. All right. I want to thank my producer, R.J. Jeffries, as always. And next week, I'll be back again, back in the interviewer's chair. So until then, go find what you love to do and just keep doing it.